We're building what we call a fast scaling network. What is that? First of all, businesses just sign on a dotted line and get water treated and managed on the meter. No capital required, that's it. 15 year contract typically is normal with, with uh, price indexing. We delegate it all to a regional company. That way we're not trying to build a huge water company, which is gonna take another 25 years. Instead, we simply tap the existing water, the local water companies, wherever they are. And we also plan to license our own amazing uh, prefabricated modular water systems technology to standardize the fleet. And hello, everyone. I thought I would break tradition here and wear a tie. That's because, you know, we're going to be a NASDAQ company, right? So I got to act the part. Anyway, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but Ken and I were, were going on back and forth about that before the show. And um, I have ties and these ties are very lonesome. And so perhaps I will go back into that. Could be fun. Uh, but then it might be it make me look like an investment banker, and then we wouldn't want that, would we? And I'm not an engineer, so I can't uh, you know go around in overalls. We'll figure it out. Anyway, welcome to the show, and I'm going to jump right in here as people arrive. Water the blue gold, Thursday, December first. Wow, last month of the year. Water like an oil well is the emerging income asset. And I'm in the middle of my CEO briefing, probably the last, what, three weeks to go? All right. Obviously, safe harbor statement. And what are we going to talk about? Well, you saw that I teased you about, and Keith Rutten, thank you very much. You look great every time. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Keith, we're going to have to put you on staff as the, the, the chief um, make CEO happy guy. That's you're going to be your job. So I teased earlier, uh, yes, you know, this morning uh, about a very interesting uh, Elon Musk quote, which is right here. The extreme difficulty of a scaling production of new technology is not well understood. Thousand to ten thousand percent harder than making a few prototypes. Now it's interesting because a few years ago he had a um, commencement speech, which I've actually featured on his show um, at Caltech, where he said it's easy enough to write a uh, PowerPoint; it's harder to make a real machine or a car, right? Well, now he's talking about, well, from that first car, what about making production scale? And we've watched him go from what was a pretty crappy, the Lotus Elise back in the day, uh, what was it, 2008 or something like that, to where uh, he is today. And I'm a proud owner of a Tesla and it's, it's quite a good experience. He's done a great job. So what does it have to do with us? Well, as you know, in 2015, we acquired the company Progressive Water Treatment, which is an amazing company, uh, but they are a job shop. They do individual jobs and they do whatever technology it takes. Uh, last year, for example, in August, we received a $5 million uh, contract with one power utility in the Southwest to do their water work. The all by itself, that exceeded our business, all our normal business. And of course, they're getting their own specific set of solutions. And there's a ton of different, there's actually three sites, three different power plants in this utility. And um, it's all very well, but um, it's all based on personal skills. They do really, really well. They have a wonderful reputation. But 
We soon realized that this was not going to work, and we moved in 2018 to acquire a scalable technology, which is modular water systems. And modular water systems is, um, and I'm not going to get into it tonight because we've covered it in the past, and I want to have another good interview with Dan. He's doing some amazing work. But he has always understood the need to have standard product line and just go, you know, just push them out, push them out, push them out. The other thing that's very important is as we move into water on demand, which is our signature, really our flagship program, it requires these specific kind of compact prefab water systems in a box that are appropriate for these, what we call middle market water as a service installations, right? Not the huge ones like an entire island, not the small ones like a home, but in the middle there between you know, half a million dollars and perhaps three, four million, that seems to be about the range. And also what I'm going to give you next week is some insight into the actual projects that we are bidding. Remember last week, I went through one of the actual quotes. There's been more progress, more to follow on that. So I'm just really happy with how Dan is building his team. Uh, he, we're now splitting out the pump station business, Avera Mod. And uh, that's the first of the year, it will be its own business unit preparatory to it being a new company, right? Remember, we we're turning into the water industry's very first incubator. And as a result, he's just getting people added as fast as he can. And Tom Marticello, as COO, is, as chief operating officer, is supporting him beautifully. So super happy about that. And I believe that we're doing a good job in that area. Okay, today we filed our S1 registration. Uh, what is an S1 registration? Well, it's basically... Uh, we did an S, our first S1 and our only S1 to date until this one was back in 2007 when we used it to be an IPO. S1s are used for initial public offerings. Now, this is a specialty S1, so it's not going to take as long. We filed that S1 in November of, of 2007, and we were finally trading in April. This is not the same kind of in-depth um, examination of everything that the SEC does, um, it's, it's for a specific purpose, which is this institutional partnership with a very good group called GHS Investments. This is going to be very strategic for us because it's going to help us do a lot to clean up the uh, balance sheet of the company. Uh, but also, I believe we can get some acquisitions done, which we want to keep doing it, be they early stage for incubation, but probably more likely we want these to be accretive. An accretive acquisition is one that adds revenue and profits um, to the existing thing. And it hopefully is uh, plug compatible, as they say, with the company. So you don't have a lot of trouble. We don't ever want to acquire companies where the principals then want to go off and play golf. We want them to stick with us. That means relatively young, dynamic, excited. And we have a number of these targets in mind. So that is going to be very good use of funds because it adds revenues and profits and more market share. Here was the original uh, October 25th announcement. Now, we control the process. So we make sure that this is not going to be damaging to the company, that it's done on an incremental basis, and that it only happens proportionate. By the way, it's limited. There's only, you can, only a certain percentage can be done relative to the volume of the stock. But in addition, we were very, very, very attentive to not putting pressure on the stock. I don't comment on stock, but I believe we have a pretty neutral situation as far as quote unquote pressure. I don't think there's any major pressure on the stock. And so 
we wouldn't want to mess with that, would we? Okay, enough of that. Here is the actual filing, filed exactly at 4.21 p.m. today, and you can find it if you search on Origin Clear in the Edgar system. All right. Regulation A offering. As you know, we filed a Regulation A offering, and I see that James Wright has said good, good evening, everyone. Hello, James. That is for unaccredited investors. And here's the filing. It was done back on the 16th of November. And the, here are my comments on it. Pretty much the same comments, but the, what's in italics is what I believe is going to happen now based on progress we've made, that the actual offering will launch on or about January 1st. There's still some approvals working, but I have reason to believe that we will meet the approval requirements. In the meantime, we're putting up an early reservation system that will allow people to get registered, basically, non-binding reservations. But that is really just to keep things flowing while we complete the approvals. Okay. I like to comment occasionally on the economy, and this, this, this graph struck me today like a ton of bricks. Look at this. Fastest housing slowed on our record. In the Air Force, they call it fence posting, when a, when a jet fighter goes straight down into the ground like a fence post. I mean, I, we've never seen this. Let's take a look at these slowdowns where that occurred. Now, these are during Fed hiking cycles, right? Which is why you don't see the 2008-2009 recession. In other words, we shouldn't be slowing down this badly during a slowdown. James Wright, where do I find the reservation list for, for reggae? It is not published yet. Um, we will do an announcement. I would say in the next four or five days, it will be up and running. It'll be announced. So just uh, watch your inbox. Anyway, this, this, is, uh, this is new territory, in my opinion. And um, you know, there's nothing pretty about it. 1983, uh, which is the black one, months from the first Fed hike. So as you see, some of them went up from the first Fed hike. Some of them went down. 1994 went down. 1999 went down. The others all went up. So this is really an outlier. It's what you might call a black swan that crashes from the first Fed hike. Reason I believe is that I think the Fed hiked far too late. It waited way too long. Gosh, what was it? It was uh, end of 2018 when uh, Donald Trump, President Trump tried to, to pull things back and he was unable to. He just couldn't do it. Infrastructure. And this is another very, very interesting thing, which is America's electric grid can't support the EV electric vehicle revolution. This is an interesting article. I won't go into it, but it really says what's going on with infrastructure, be it energy or be it water. Uh, it's just that water is not as visible because water is primarily still a municipal business. It's primarily still governmental, but it's becoming denationalized. And in the process of being denationalized, it's going to become more visible, but it's got the same problems. It just doesn't have the uh, capacity we were seeing it with the electric grid, and we're certainly seeing it with the water infrastructure. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and run part three, uh, the final part of the Kelly Cardenas show. There is a part four, quote unquote, um, but you're going to have to actually go to the actual original because it gets into personal experiences, which don't really apply to this briefing. But it's very interesting. Kelly is a very good interviewer, and he, he drew me out, shall we say. So if you go to Kelly Cardenas podcast on YouTube, you will find the Origin Clear interview. And if you're interested, go to the very last 15 minutes or so. You'll find them interesting. But let's, let's go ahead and take a look at the third 20-minute or so period. Here we go.
to us about on the day to day some of the 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 mishaps or the misunderstandings that people have about their water, like in their day to day routine? Well, for example, in um, so many people are moving away from the mega cities to secondary cities, and um, you know Florida is benefiting from it. It's a wonderful thing, but it's also um, overloading a lot of the rural water districts, which are not accustomed to that level of, of load. And frankly, people are still installing uh, these septic tanks, which we need to just put an end to it. Septic tanks are a big, big part of the problem. They, they mess up all kinds of things. So number one, we need to move off the septic tank regime, and, um, and that can be done individually. It can be done you know, through pressure uh, at the political level. The second thing is, is that um, there can be off-grid housing developments um, and housing developers are waking up to, hey, wait a minute, I can buy really, really cheap land that's not you know, sewage connected and I can go ahead and develop on it and put in one of these uh, off-grid water systems. So these are good, these are good uh, bright ideas that we can have. What you can do at the individual level, again, make sure that your own water um, supply is good think that the people need to be aware that that the world is moving towards decentralization like, like let me give you an example that's a totally different space we know that in california we're never going to get the bullet train right it's not going to happen we got that one little segment in in the central valley and that's it what we are going to get is the google self-driving car why because we already have the freeways right so boom very similar here in water we're not going to get the giant trillion dollar infrastructure fix we're going to get self-help and water independence, or distributed water treatment. And so it's important to think that way. And just as with you have, you and I have nothing to do with the Google self-driving car, but it's good to know that that's the trend. So at a certain level, you know, you're being an informed citizen and at some point you're gonna have a chance to say something about it, to have, you know, to perhaps invest in technology that is going to make a difference. You know, right now is the very bad time to be invested in high tech. Who knows if that's going to continue? But maybe it's time to think about more legacy stuff. I'm invested in, in my personal portfolio in legacy stuff. Why? Because I think it's time for these old school um, industries to modernize and to become advanced. And that's what's happening in water. So take us into that Star Wars realm, Briggs. If you would have told me when I was a kid, um, you know, there's going to be a self-driving car, I would have been like, yeah, I mean, that sounds cool. I see the Jetsons, right? Yeah. And now, now it's a reality, right? And I remember when in, I think it was 2000, this was 2004, mm -hmm. 2005. I remember buying a, um, it was a 2003 car. So about two years old. But it was a S55 Mercedes, the AMG right. one, and it had the um, it had the uh, the seats that blew up on the side as you go around the corner to hold you in the seat because that's absolutely necessary in life. Right. It I, also had one. It had one of the first stop and go cruise controls, and I was like, blow my mind. And now, if you buy a Honda Civic, you've got that on the car. Tell us about something that's coming with water 
that is so far out there because that's what your your job is in the tech side of it and what you do. You've got to forecast and see the future. What is going to be the thing that will freak people out that they hear today that is going to be natural and normal for their kids and our kids with water? You are going to eventually go off grid yourself at the single family home level. It's going to happen yet. We're going to continue to see a, a degradation in the municipal services, the way it's going. And I don't see it being fixed anytime soon. And there's very good systems. We don't sell them, but uh, you can get one right now from Fuji Water, and it'll be more of these, which uh, treat your outgoing water, your black water, as they call it. You can recycle it, you know, um, to sprinkle your lawn, etc. And then you can treat the water, um, and the the black stuff goes into a sludge tank that gets pumped out once a year, and that's going to become a routine. And that is not a bad thing. It's happening in business right now. Businesses are taking advantage of it. How? Well, they can, as I said, locate in an area that's not served and get a bargain on land and still have that sewage service because technology has advanced that far. So that is that is definitely where it's going. You're the authority on this. You're going to be like, no, I'm not the authority. I'm just one. But you are. You're the authority on this. And you're a humble dude. Which, you know, if I, if, if I was doing what you're doing, I'd wear a cape and a Speedo and just have a fan in front of me and blow the cape all the time because I'd be the man. No, that Jason, that Jason uh, already has the Aquaman. <laughs> it's over. But in your daily routine, what do you do that you need to correct when it comes to water? Because, I mean, I, I know some of the greatest financial minds in the world, and then I'll talk with them and they'll be like, yeah, but I do this one thing, and this is the thing that I need to correct. Being the authority, the world authority, on, uh, as far as on uh, water and water conservation and, and moving that way and, and changing the game, mm -hmm. where do you mess up? Or are you perfect, Riggs, and for, dropped straight from heaven? i tell you, the biggest problem that I have is that we are one company. And no matter how successful we're going to be, we're still going to be one company. And I believe that to change water, there must be a movement. And scaling that up to the level of movement, I mean, I believe we're going to be a great company. We're going to be huge, et cetera. But we're not, I don't see us being a movement. I don't, it's not yet real to me. Maybe, well, I actually, you know, I've started to think, um, uh, let me just um, spitball a little bit here. Because at the lowest level of our company, we make water machines, systems that purify the water, et cetera. I think that's what we do in Dallas and in Virginia. That's our job. Next level up now is this fintech solution, which uh, finances, with the help of our investors, these water systems so people don't pay up front. What I'm thinking is that the fintech thing is the scalable part, not the building the water machines. If we can spread the fintech thing Go, okay, uh, you, sir, in Dubai, you've got a financial um, you know, organization. We'll go ahead and, and give you the water on demand franchise for, for the uh, Middle East. And you'll go ahead and you'll finance the water systems in the Middle East. And you, ma'am or sir, in Singapore, will do the same thing for the Malayan Peninsula, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'm saying is let's take this financial system that we've built and export that. And I think that is perhaps the solution. Now, 
it's still just a gleam in the eye for me. I'm far from it. Why? Because I'm in the trenches building this thing. But I think that's probably scalable. And, um, and there's also in part of that, there is a blockchain element, which these days is a forbidden term. We don't say the term blockchain if we're a public company because the SEC doesn't like it. But at some point, there is a water coin in the picture. That's down the road also. But that's also part of creating this sort of um, umbrella activity that enables water as a service worldwide and democratizes it. And that's way far away. I wish I could tell you I'm working on it now. I'm not. I'm putting the. I'm, I'm basically doing this because you got to make the home thing work well, and then you know worry about scaling it. But as long as we haven't scaled it, we will not have solved this problem. I mean, I'm sorry. I I like to think I'm omnipotent, but I'm only one company. So when you're talking about the scaling part, how have you been able to? And this is always interesting to me because being able to talk to you from the time that we turn on the video, um, and letting people know behind the scenes, like this is who Riggs is like the conversation that we're having. This is who Riggs is even when the camera is not recording. And there's very few people. There's, there's people who put on the face, they put on the face for the company or they put on the face for the image or they do. You didn't put on any face. This is exactly like your tone is exactly the same. And I want to compliment you on that. Riggs, how do you scale and still keep the heart? Because this is where most people lose it, right? So they say they, they have this idea, they bring in money, right? And so they scale with money or they bring in, uh, you know, VC. And when they, when it happens, then all the focus becomes on the return of the, the, the money as opposed to the mission that they started on. Is there the holy grail of being able to keep both? Okay, yes. And here's how. I believe that the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers said it best, give it away, give it away, give it away. In other words, it's going to work if I'm, I make Origin Clear a successful company. And we announced yesterday that we are investigating um, a uh, working with a blank check company. In other words, you know, these uh, special purpose acquisition corporations, PACs, have money, money searching for a business. And we may actually do one of those deals, which would be wonderful because we'd have much more capital than we have today. Great. So my plan is to make uh, ourselves and our investors really, really, really filthy rich because they deserve to be. They've been so incredibly loyal. But moving beyond this scaling idea that I have of going planetary and, and, and exporting water, water on demand and so forth, why should I try and keep a big piece of it? Why not just um, export it and let people use it and, uh, and sort of export the knowledge? Take a sliver of a lemon peel, maybe just because you want to keep the IP or something like that. But keep it really, really approachable and easy and not try to become the, the, the water god of the universe. I think that's probably the smart thing to do. And how does this work out too? Because uh, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, I've asked this question of a lot of hard charging, whether it be founder CEOs, um, how does this work out as far as family wise and family dynamic? Because, you know, there's a lot of hard charging, um, you know, purpose driven entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs, that they are so locked into the mission that 
their family goes by the wayside. And when you spoke about your wife and you told me about her, like you lit up, this was before we started recording. So I wish I would have recorded it because I would have sent it to your wife and been like, your husband really loves you. But, but you, you talked about it. Like how does, how does a person that flies on the levels that you do as far as you and being in the tech business, then moving into this part, but you're also thinking like you just said a 10 times multiple doesn't do it for you. It doesn't make you want to get out of bed. And so, you know, when you're scaling and you're looking at those kind of things, how, how, and what do you do to be able to keep your family in line also? So you don't lose that. Well, first of all, my wife has her own mission. She is, uh, I call her the uh, child whisperer. She's amazing with kids. She creates future leaders in her uh, educational program. It's more like a group tutoring activity that she does. It's super cool. Um, and so she has her own mission. And I have been privileged since we got together after, the, after my late, the mom, the mom of my son passed away in 2012. I got together with Sigrid and um, she was able to scale up her educational activity. And so we worked together uh, in, in doing that. Obviously, I don't have much time to do it. I kind of like, kind of help from the side, but we are, we, we do work together on this. And it's, it's part of what's super cool is that um, she has very, she has nothing to do with my business. Although I have to tell you that she hears me talking on the phone and she'll say, that guy, you got to get rid of that guy. Like, what are you talking about? Like the way, the way you're stressed talking to or about that guy, you got to get rid of him. And she's invariably right. So, you know, she is involved in my business to the extent that she understands people very well. And she will um, give me very good advice that I sometimes follow. And by the same token, we're involved together in this educational enterprise of hers, which she is so dedicated to. And in the process, for example, I get to go, uh, we, we do these um, school trips to the slopes and we get to ski and I get to teach all these kids how to go in the trees and get in real trouble and freak out the parents. And I'm a happy camper. So I, I think I know what the answer is going to be, but what is it that brings you the joy? Like, what is it that brings you the belly laugh that doesn't, because I, I, I asked this of a, a woman the other day, I said, you know, what brings you joy? What, what do you do that doesn't have any ROI? And she was like, uh, I like to read a long book. I like to lay in a hot bath. And I was like, that's not what you said when you were five years old. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're five years old, you're thinking like, I want to do this thing. What is that thing that just brings you joy, that brings you no return in your business or no uh, scalability, but it just brings you joy inside your heart? Well, I have a guilty secret, and that is that I uh, basically ruined my career um, back when I turned 40. Um, I was at the time in the film industry. And I was in high demand because I'm a workaholic and film industry loves workaholics. And I was doing well. And then I happened to drive across country through Colorado and I realized that I had never ski bumped in my life and I needed to do it immediately. And so I literally just stopped with the film thing and I went skiing and I ski bumped. It was the best time I ever had. And, um, People would look at me because I was a chef at top of top of Keystone. There's a four-star restaurant at the top of Keystone, and I'd be on the gondola going up in my chef's uniform. And these people, when they found out that I'd literally given up 
film to do this. They were like, no, don't destroy your life, man. You got to go back. You got to do it. And I'm like, no, I'm actually having a great time. I believe in um, just really blowing out. I'm a big, big skier, sailor. I've sailed professionally, so I'm, a, I'm actually a licensed merchant mariner, um, been around the world. And to me, these are things that are just very special. They're very special. They, they are a whole different class of thing. You know, Elon Musk wants to take people to Mars. I just want to go to, I just want to sail to Hawaii. You know, I think that's a wonderful thing. So to me, those are the great things is, is um, be, do um, superlative things uh, physically in wonderful physical environments. Again, okay, it's water, snow, ocean, so it's water. But that's really what, what gets me. Um, and that's, that's what I love. Um, I, I take these kids, and you know, there's no way that a kid, this is the fastest a kid can go is on skis. Fastest a human can go is on skis. Secondly, a kid is never as free as when he or she's on, ski, on skis. Why? Well, the parents have no clue what they're doing. Like, did you have a nice time? Oh, yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, they have no idea what that kid went through, the adventures, the craziness that happened. And that's a freedom for a kid. I think that kids don't have enough freedom. So I just, I feel so privileged when I take these kids and I show them how to master the slope, be safe, you know, have control, and then go in these terrifying drops or incredible tree runs safely. And just come out of it just grinning from ear to ear i think that's there's nothing better so riggs <clears throat> what i noticed too is that when i when i see people like yourself and i i call you an icon you're not going to call yourself an icon but i am when i see a person like you it's 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 almost a DNA thing, meaning that there's some DNA. I'm not saying that it was born in you because you had to work really hard. There's, there's circumstances that came in, all those things. But there seems to be a DNA that when you go at something, that thing is going to become successful, right? And you've proved it in the tech world. You're proving it with, with Origin Clear. Um, you're, you're proving it in the fact of you said you, know, you had the water systems, then you went into the water service, and now it's starting to be scalable. You proved that in the uh, in the movie industry. You proved that when you went and became a chef, right? Because people loved what you were doing. You're helping kids, all those things. Let us into the DNA. What made up rigs? Was it parents telling you things? Were you seeing things? And what were, I mean, give us some of those specifics because I think a lot of times people look at a rigs and it's almost like you're the outlier. Like I'm going to, we're grading on a curve. I'm going to throw out the best one. I'm going to throw out the rigs in my life because maybe that's not possible. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen over time is that you're a human being, right? And so help us with that DNA, help us with the makeup of what rigs is and, and how'd you get there? Well, I had I, I, I was very privileged to have uh, parents who uh, were very international. I was raised pretty much all over the place, um, and uh, my mom was an amazing person, artist, and uh, raised six boys, and did a great job at it. Um, and my dad was, um, if if you ever watched the movie, the TV series Mad Men, he was that he was he was that guy um, with all the flaws. A very interesting guy, and. Uh, both of them passed away, but they, they, I think, imprinted me, I think, with a certain ease. People sometimes don't feel empowered enough to do things. 
And they gave me the assumption like, hey, you, you can do it. You can absolutely do it. And I think that was very powerful. Um, you know, I had other influences. I had tremendous influence. Um, my early career coming out of high school was in the nonprofit space. And I think that when you work in the nonprofit space, you uh, get a certain dedication to not making money, but making a difference. And that, that was huge too. So um, I think that um, I, I was very lucky to have that, um, that influence on me. Absolutely. When you look at what you're doing, your mission that you're on, the things that you're doing, the way that you treat your company, the way that you grow, the DNA that you have as far as being successful in your business, like it's no wonder. Like you hear your character and there's very few people, I want to, I want to compliment you on that because there's very few people that their character is in line with the, all the things that they do. You know, I, I just, I really, really, really want to celebrate it and I want to, I want you to understand that specifically. Well, what you're, you're blowing my mind here because part of what's happened, you know, anybody who's, we, I've been 14 years a CEO of this company. I can't tell you some of the things that we've gone through there, there have been, there was one time, one month, we were literally down to credit cards with a bunch of staff and we're down to credit cards. Like, oh Lord, people don't realize how much, and you've been through it too. We've, we've all been through these horrendous things and people don't realize it because here we are. And when I came out of it, my wife said two things. Number one, she says, Riggs, you are so, you're amazingly persistent guy. And number two, she said, thank God you've, emerge because I have been so stressed. And I realized that she had been more stressed than me watching me go through what I'd gone through. She'd been more stressed. And I literally, I had no idea that she'd gone through that. It was so tough on her. We don't realize the effect we have on others. Can you say something to end the podcast in French? Cause it just sounds so good. There's a very good saying in French, which is les goûts et les couleurs ne se discutent pas. There is no arguing taste or colors. And what that really says is you got to let people have do it their own way. And if they're going to be gaudy, it is what it is. Riggs, you're amazing, man. I, I, I really appreciate you. And I just want to thank you again, Riggs. You are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I can't wait to have you on the show again. And I can't wait to spend some time in the snow. Kelly, we are going to do it. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure doing this. Well, there we are, and I'm going to keep right on going here because the wonderful Felicia Fro is a doctor, and uh, she has a social impact investing show. It's not going to be, you saw how this thing got a bit personal, which was cool, and it, it, gets, it gets even more personal if you get inter interested. You can always watch the YouTube, but uh, Kelly Cardenas, who has a top 1% podcast, he's in the same class as Joe Rogan in the sense that you really feel at your ease, and then anything is possible, right? Let's, let's jump right into it with Felicia here. Everybody out there, I have been watching Riggs on his weekly briefings for Origin Clear, his the company that he is the CEO and founder of, for quite some time now. So we've been off camera now, him getting to know me, because I feel like I knew him already, like the movie stars you see, you feel like you know who they are. So we've been spending some time getting to know each other, which has been truly fun. Thank you so much. Riggs is the founder and CEO of Origin Clear. 
and Water on Demand, a company that is revolutionizing how water is managed in our country and ultimately around the world, I believe. You've been in this business for a long time. Tell me how you got here and what's your drive to fix water? By the early 2000s, I felt I was qualified enough to be a CEO of a public company. And um, I had just helped take a, uh, a company public uh, on the NASDAQ as a number two, as president COO. And I called up a fund and the, the, the owner of the fund, one of the senior partners said, yeah, we think you could be a CEO, but we're not doing tech anymore. We're doing algae, algae for biofuels. Okay. And we launched Origin Oil because um, algae is the original oil. And uh, what that was amazingly fun. And um, my brother Nicholas had some, some um, relate some technology in the area. And we, we were going great until the fracking revolution occurred, which dropped the price of oil from $120 down to 35 at one point. And algae became a science experiment at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Too bad. And I think it's actually becoming relevant again. We, We could actually truly do algae again. Uh, as a biofuel, given where the price of fuel of uh, fossil fuels are going again, but at the time we had to really we had an existential decision to make, and one of uh, our people, Bill Charneski, said, "Hey, well, you know, we we can pull hydrocarbons out of algae, uh, which is uh, a carbon uh, chain out of water. We can do the same thing with hydrocarbons. That got us into a technology to clean, excuse me, to clean up frac water, and then." When we found out that the oil industry was still not spending money because of low prices, we expanded into water in general. And these successive pivots landed us in the business of cleaning up the dirty water in the world, which it turns out 80% of all the sewage in the world is not treated at all. It's just thrown away. Now, people have a lot of focus on the incoming clean water, and they should. If you're constantly you know, putting the dirty water in the and in the groundwater and the rivers and the oceans, then you will get dirty water coming back. So that's not good. So focusing on wastewater became our mission. What we then learned was that people don't pay a lot of attention to that. Why? Well, you think water is interesting. You don't think sewage is interesting, right? It's like, I, and I want to go back because you. The, I don't want to skip by the statistic you said. Eighty percent of sewage, the water that you flush down the toilet. Mm-hmm. is not treated right now that's not true in the developed countries in okay the US, so. it's, it flips right the u.s by far there is um there are some bad practices in the u.s for example the lower hackensack river in uh, new jersey was just designated a a polluted waterway i think it's 137th in america so it's not getting better because it's not great but it's the real um damage is being done in places like Bangladesh, where there is zero water treatment, right? Okay. So that, that's, that's if you're talking worldwide, then you're talking about a, a real problem. And a lot of uh, disease is attributable to, to uh, dirty water. 6,000 kids a day lose their life due to a waterborne illness, uh, statistics like that. And there's also a lot of scarcity. Um, by 2030, um, there's going to be some real problems. By 2050, it's going to be a dire 50% of the planet is going to be facing serious water availability problems. And we, we need to do something about it. And one of the things we need to do about it is not only treat the water, but recycle it. 
And that's where in, in this country, yes, we do treat the water. Our, our antiquated central infrastructure system treats it and dumps it. It does not take it, send it back to the user. So, you know, if I'm in, um, in you know, Los Angeles and Los Feliz and I make the, the water dirty, it goes down to El Segundo, gets treated fine. And then it goes into Santa Monica Bay. And that's the end of that. It's not going to go back up to Los Feliz. And so that's uh, a problem that can only be solved really uh, just the same way as our energy grid is outdated and is not going to get intelligent anytime soon. It's solved by simply creating local intelligence, in this case, local water treatment. So if a business like a brewery starts treating its own water, then it is um, able to keep reusing it because it paid for the water. Now it's paying to, to treat it, but then it can keep reusing it and it's not buying new water. It's incentivized to re recycle. And that starts to become a virtuous circle. The other very important thing about, about businesses and um, starting to do their own water treatment is that our infrastructure is badly, badly overloaded in this country. It has not been probably maintained. Um, we're running about $75 billion a year behind on needed investment, and it's not being caught up. It's useless to wish for something that's not going to happen. You know, that's definition of insanity. So let's just assume that the central infrastructure is not going to be really fixed. Well, yeah. the other solution then is to take the load off. And it turns out that 89% of all water demand in this country, and actually it's a worldwide statistic, is between industry and agriculture. And the only difference is between countries is how much is industry, how much is agriculture. In the US, it's about equal. 89%. So the, the residential, the, the humans are only 11% of the load. And yet in California, they're being told to take, you know, sailor showers yeah. and so forth. But that's not where the real, I, I, I'm all in favor, don't get me wrong, but it's not where the real gain is going to be. And uh, we believe that by, by helping businesses do their own water treatment, we can unburden the central system, which to literally one-tenth of its current load, and they can then do a wonderful job of taking care of people. A lot of people tell me, Riggs, water is a human right. Uh, why should I have to pay for water? And in a way, they're right. You know, Ireland doesn't charge people for water, but you, you've got to get the corporate uh, burden off of the water systems, and that's done with decentralization. Early on, we talked about 80% of the water worldwide is not treated, of the sewage is not treated. And then we came to the United States where the majority of our sewage is treated, but not recycled. So yes. water is used. We get water in from where water comes from. See, now you can, I'm sounding silly because I know water comes from my pipes, right? I just turn on this faucet and it comes out. But we're, <laughs> we use it. It goes down. It goes to a treatment plant. It gets treated. And then it goes off. It doesn't come back to get used again. The treatment plants that are, where it's being treated are now haven't been kept up, though that infrastructure is crumbling because of not less financing going towards it. Mm -hmm. um, and I assume for that financial increase, because I, I remember reading a statistic that federally that the federal amounts spent on water infrastructure has really, really decreased. So it's now left on cities and counties and local jurisdictions to take care of it. Yes. So to increase the the funding to fix infrastructure is going to be a tax burden on everybody living there. Correct. That seems like the way that's going to increase is that if I if we got to fix the water infrastructure in Tulsa and it's not coming from the federal government, 
where is my government going to get it from? And it's going to be from taxing me to get more of that money to fix that. And then we, then I'm still buying bottled water because I don't want to drink that water because I don't trust that. And th- th- this is not a good system. And no. then there's places where people can't necessarily afford to buy bottled water who are then getting all these different chemicals in the water. Because We're not so much worried about sewage here, but we are worried about the chemicals that are washed off from um, agriculture. You said not 89% of the water usage in our country is industry and agriculture about half and half about half and half of that so 11% for the population for people 11% of the water usage in our country is people using water and that doesn't even count that's just the water in our water systems not buying water and that kind of stuff right let's put it this way most people thank god don't live on bottled water if they do it's it's really they're in a tough place because of very <laughs> bad water situations like in flint and so forth but um in general you know people who drink the tap water i like to say they won't die right away in other words it, there's no it, it doesn't have typhus in it. it it's not um it's not heavily bacterial it's been sanitized but it has for example these forever chemicals that's become a big issue this year uh it has um the roundup um, residue uh-huh. called glyphosate. Um, and I have a holistic doctor and he said, Riggs, you need to get a shower head that removes that. And I got that shower head, you know, um, because, you know, I have a under sink system for the drinking water, but your, your body sucks in a lot of water in the process of showering. And, and he said, you need to do that. And because Roundup is not a good thing. I actually have a friend who probably died from a cancer caused by Roundup. So the Roundup's not good. Shower. So I don't know that very many people think about water being absorbed into their body and the chemicals in the water being absorbed into their body, but something to think about. I heard from something somewhere else you spoke about being able to look, go into a site and seeing what the contamination is in your water. Can you go ahead and say what that site is, if you can remember that? Yeah, it's a very good one. So environmental working group, ewg.org slash tap water. And if you go there, put in your zip code, you will find out what the story is with your particular uh, local area. And generally you will find that the local municipalities are compliant, but that the, the standards are very much out of date. And so it will tell you, okay, it's compliant for lead, arsenic, uranium, whatever, but these, but it's, if you take the rate, most recent standards, is 2,000% over on this, that, and the other thing. So it'll tell you both, the legal compliance and the latest science on what it should be. And it'll tell you what's in your water. And you go there and you go, okay, you know what? I'm, I, I, at least I'm going to have to get a breeder picture. I got to do something, right? Okay. Anything is better than nothing. Yes. And so let me ask you that. Do things like breeder water filter systems and the zero, all those different filter systems, do those do very much for your water? Or is that, I mean, you said it's better than nothing, but if I'm feeding my, if I'm drinking, letting my three-year-old drink water from that is, you know, so much less body surface area and all those kind of things. That's the scary part for a lot of people. Look, um, again, the, the pitcher approach or, um, you know, those, those, um, those tanks with the carbon filters, very good. The the way to do it best, of course, is with an undersink system, mm-hmm. which is reverse osmosis, followed by carbon blocks, followed by remineralization, followed potentially by a pH increaser, if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. That is that is it. That is beautiful water. Um, and you should be drinking that. Now, 
um, it's going to be eight, $900. Uh, then this, what we put into our condo is that plus the shower filters. And, and then we just um, went to a local water company to install a 0.2 micron um, filtration system for all the rest of the water in the place, just, just automatically. And that just made, made sure that, for example, typically the microplastics um, don't go below 0.2 microns. They go to about 0.25, 0.235. So you'll stop the, the microplastics and, and most most okay. everything. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a sane way to do it. Uh, some people do a whole home reverse osmosis. They spend three, $4,000. I think it's overkill myself. Um, so that that's kind of the approach. It's a kind of a hybrid okay. approach. Voila. And that brings us to the free willing discussion with the man, the myth, the legend. And B. <laughs> What's that? Nine contaminants detected exceed the EWG health guidelines for Westmoreland County, which serves 150,000 people. It's in the um, uh, and it's in the it, it's it's like Beaver Kill Reservoir. It's like, you know, you can't fish there or anything. So I know exactly where it is. And um, I have put a carbon filter in the home. I didn't get, I got to get those shower heads from you because now, now I feel itchy every time I shower. I think about it, right? So I have to get those shower heads from you. Um, Felicia's wonderful. Hello, Felicia, if you're on tonight. Uh, you look wonderful. Um, yeah, she's a, she's, a, she's a good interviewer. I'm, and and um, I got to say, Cardenas is, he's really, really good. Uh, very insightful. Um, it's, be, yeah, yeah. Eugene Tully knows Beaver Kill too, yeah. Um, so anyway, I was, um, I really enjoyed the way, it, it's funny because you had this conversation with Kelly uh, Cardenas, what, three weeks ago? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yet it was, it's funny the way you broke it up because th these are conversations you and I had like yesterday, right? Um, so it, it's really very oddly timed. Um, that real estate uh, chart you showed, which you were kind enough to share with me earlier, um, guys, just to the, so the audience knows that's because I bought more real estate. So that's what happens when I buy real estate, the real estate market, um, collapses. So just find out what I'm doing and do the opposite. You'll be okay. Right. Um, I, I wonder how much of that though, uh, Riggs is what you and I talked about with Kath, Catherine Austin Fitz, how she, um, you know, the, 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 you said that they, they increased rates too late. But they've also, so the discount rate has, the T-bill rate has spiked above the discount rate. And every time in the past when that happens, it's, you stop, you stop. In other words, you've gotten ahead of it. Now you got to give it a quarter or two to kind of cycle now, it. Now, of course, it's saying, well, we're going to pull it back, whatever. It, at this point, it is a freaking mess. I can't even figure out. I can't even figure out what's going on. Well, Catherine Austin Fitz, you actually played it on one of our shows. She's saying sure. this is really not about. Inflation at this point, it's keeping the dollar as the world reserve currency. It's about, it's about cutting the knees off everybody else, 100%. Well, and if you bankrupt everybody in the process, because if you lose world dominant in, in the world reserve currency, all your assets go to hell anyway, right? Or heck, excuse me. I, I realize here's the strategy of the United States. Start here, and we got to make sure that nobody that we like slice off whoever is a competitive compete with us. Then we go down, and then we got to slice off the next level down. Then we go down. 
We're slice off. We're basically slicing off the planet to be. The way to rich is make everybody poor. Okay. Worse, 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 worse. Egalitarianism, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that I. I don't know that I'm down with that. But okay. <laughs> um, the uh, some of the some of the conversations that you and I have had though um, with respect to this is a consequence of demand destruction. Whether or not it's deliberate demand destruction or if it's organic demand destruction. At this point, doesn't so much matter. The thing that can't, the area that demand cannot be destroyed is in, in water. As long as people move from one location to another and populations, so as long as populations expand or migrate, the demand for water can only go up. And also, there's going to be continuing increase in the water standards. People, the EPA is not idle, they are trying to improve the quality of the water. And, uh, you know, the states, the state, uh, for example, in, in um, Alabama, the, the project that we have down there, it was driven by the Department of Environmental Quality, the DEQ. So, you know, there's a lot going on there that is continuous. And so that, too, drives demands for better water. And this also drives this, this uh, degovernmentalization <laughs> process right. where people, you know, businesses take it into their own hands because it just becomes too onerous. And that, of course, is what we're talking about. Now, we are getting close to the end, but I have to say that you and I are very happy with how things are going with this little project oh, of ours. Oh, we're, that, about that? Well, we're not we're talking about not talking about it. Ecstatic. Um, the developments over the last 48 hours are I couldn't have written a better story. Every time we learn, the outcome seems better. Right. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're just kind of peeling away at the layers on this thing. And it's really, really exciting stuff. Um, it feels more organic is really what I'm saying. It's more natural. Now, I, again, I don't want to run away with ourselves because as we said in the press release, there's no assurance any of this will happen, but nonetheless, right. we're having a good time. Right. We are having a good time. And, and, and again, when asked to distill our message down to what we want to do with the world, um, I think I think you've gotten really, really, and, and I do it a hundred times a day. So I think we've both gotten really good at that. And I think I think that's going to serve us well in the coming weeks, being able to distill what we do uh, very simply. If you can tell your story briefly, you know the elevator pitch, then that's a huge thing right there. And I think we are there for sure. Uh, and I know that you've got a new presentation being pulled together with the help of the cool marketing department. By the way, a lot more coming from marketing, but we've run out of time. If you are accredited and you're interested in the hot stuff happening, oc.go slash get in your browser or email investorigenclear.com or reply to my CEO update, and we will be happy to bring you up to speed. With that, I'm going to wrap up another one. Uh, we are, of course, on duty uh, next week. I believe that uh, looking at December, we'll be doing the 8th and the 15th. Okay, so you know what? We'll do 8th, 15th, and 22nd, and then we'll, we'll drop out the 29th because that, that you're right. That's absolutely lost, lost time. And then we'll start up again on the fifth. So that's the plan. Everyone, I wanted to thank you for sticking in there. Uh, we've had tremendous attendance, uh, loyalty. I appreciate it so much. You guys and gals are very, very cool. The very best. I love you. I love you people. You're the best. And, uh, you know, I bared my soul a little bit to Kelly Cardenas. And if you want more of that, go to his, do it, go to his, his podcast on YouTube. You'll enjoy it. With that, I'm going to wrap it up. So have a good night, folks. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your weekend and get ready for the holidays. Here we go. I know. Bonzo says you're the best. Likewise, my friend. Talk soon. 
Take care. Thank you.